That's a very positive good morning. Okay, let's see if we can keep you positive all the way to the end of this. Let's see. Okay. So, looking around, I see many of the church family that I've come to know well. Um, a few people I don't know so well. Uh, good friends and family. Um, and here we are on the May Day weekend. Um, I wasn't sure whether that fitted with this today, but I thought I'd have a look. I didn't know if it was a pagan thing or a Christian thing. Anybody know? What do you think? Ah. Well, I did a bit of research on this. So it was a pagan celebration originally. Um, yes, that's right. With, uh, with June 21st at its centre, I think it was the original start of summer many years ago. We'll see. Um, but it was also celebrated by Catholics as St. Joseph the Worker. Uh, for St. Joseph the Worker uh, on Monday. So this is Jesus' surrogate father as such. Um, and remembering how important he was to the story. Um, what, a, what a brave role he took in all this. Often not mentioned so much. Um, taking his family to Egypt and later settling in Nazareth after the death of Herod. So just to let you know, we remember him on this May Day. Okay, um, so a little introduction on how I came to the church and how I ended up stood up here today. A year ago, I don't think I'd have expected this exactly. Um, so I have a business just across the road here at Halfway. Um, we wanted to do, um, wanted to help in the community, and. I remember a day thinking, okay, we'll have a look round, see what's happening in the area. Who could I help? Matt here, I've got to want to help everybody. Let's see, see what I can do. All about me. All about the business. Um, when I walked into the co-op in Eckington. Everybody been to the co-op in Eckington? A very auspicious place, very nice. <coughs> Scarily become an important place in my life. <coughs> Spend far too much money in there, I know that. Um, so I met John at the door collecting for the food bank. And again, I, th- I'd think, I think I uh, think I might give you 20 quid and want to know a bit more about it. And yeah, I was the man. I can help you. Let's see what we can do. Uh, I came up to visit uh, Alan at the food bank, I think. I don't know if Michelle was there as well. And um, I came up with my mum, Jones, a few of you might know her. And I think we offered, you know, anything we can do, what would you what would you like, what would you need to be responded to with? No, thank you, we've got everything we need. That <laughs> 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 ignorant bugger. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody Christians. Anyway. <laughs> um Little did I envisage really how my life was about to take a turn. Um, you know, I saw other families in crisis as I, as I did get involved with the food bank and delivering furniture and getting involved with, with centre parks and collecting the furniture. What a fantastic bunch of people in the room. Um, and those that aren't here today as well. Um, I didn't realise how the church was about to help me. And it was going to be there for me when I needed it. Um, 
How many people are here today that are expected to be here? Did you all expect to join this church? Was it planned in your life that you would be part of this church? You were sure of it when you were? No? I think there's quite a few people who didn't expect to be here today or as a member of this congregation. And what a fantastic place it is that we've found. <laughs> I think that goes for a lot of people. Was that because they were driving a larder? <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> I had a fish on the back of mine. <laughs> okay, so, so to add to the story, um, the reason I'm here perhaps, and, and the reason the church has become important to me, in June 2016, almost a year ago, on Father's Day, another auspicious day, um, I separated with my wife. Um, I'd met her at 18 years old. She was 16 years old. Um, we'd later become divorced. Um, we'd have been together 23 years and have four children. For those of you who have walked that similar or same path, perhaps, maybe not divorce, but maybe something similar, um, it's a very confusing, a very anxious, and a very painful time, um, very dark, very emotional, and you really are um, in a wilderness. Um, there's a huge fear, huge fear. And it just grips you at the time. Um, it's like a vice. It's unbelievable. I, uh, maybe some of you out there can can understand what I'm saying. In maybe in a different circumstance, um, this fear it, it it stays with you. It doesn't go away. Um, it, it really manifests, and it it's the size of a mountain. Um, it's it, for some reason it seems to grow teeth and. You know, it's going to attack you and it's going to be after your nerves and your mind at any moment. Your thoughts, fears are going to force their way into you. It's going to create despair. It's going to create depression. Um, it's a tough time. If we consider the Bible and the sheer number of times in there that the word wilderness is used as a term and mentioned, it's a huge quantity. I did it. Had a quick look at the amount of times. It's phenomenal. Wilderness. Um, it's a very common descriptive word. I, um, I did similar to you. I, I had a look, see what it was, see what it really meant to, to people or what it says in the dictionary. Uh, Wikipedia tells us it is derived from the word wildness. Uh, in other words, that which is not controlled by humans. That's interesting, isn't it? Um, I think they're rather mistaken uh, now for what humans control seems to be little or nothing, certainly nothing good. Um, I'm just going to go on a bit and explain this kind of fear uh, a little bit more, this, this, this thing that's going to create this, this anxiety, this depression, this dark place. The only way I could describe it at the time was... Anybody been to Tenerife? Anybody been unlucky enough to be to Tenerife? Or lucky enough, whichever way you look at it. I know you're not keen on Tenerife, Catherine. 
Um, there's, a, there's a water park there called Siam Park. Anybody been there? Yeah? They have this huge water slide, don't they? It's enormous. It's pretty much, you look at it, it looks vertical to me. At the bottom of this water slide, which you wait about an hour to get on, there's a tube, and you go through this blooming tube, and around the tube are sharks. The sharks swimming, so they drop you vertically through sharks. What? Kind of maniacs designed these things. Um, a friend of mine is six foot six, built like a brick outhouse, bouncer, tattoos everywhere. He came up there with me. Well, he turned round and went back down. <laughs> what? What? Well, I'd got me four kids waiting at the bottom. I couldn't do that. He'd only got two kids. Oh, the pressure. Um, so I laid there. I laid there at the top of this blooming slide, on my back, arms crossed. He says, put your neck down. Don't look up because you might break your neck. Just what you want to hear, isn't it, that? <laughs> Fabulous. Um, so I laid there, and at that moment, there was panic. There was fear. It's a level I've rarely felt in my life. But it lasted for five or ten seconds before this swine pushed me off. And off I shot down there, my eyes closed, through the sharks, out the other side before I knew it. And it was okay. But that's not what happened in this case of the divorce. Because that five seconds of fear stuck. And five seconds became five hours, became five days, became five weeks. And that's the only way I could describe it. That fear stuck. Um, so as a businessman, fancy pants businessman, um, I was used to being in control. Um, I would plan. I would execute against detailed plans. I would have strategies. I would have tactics. I would want to succeed in my business objectives. Um, so this was all new territory for me. Um, my worst fears were coming true. You know, I had to consider the damage to the kids, to their education, um, the future for them, the future for me, even for the business itself. Um, it took so long to build this business. Was divorce going to rip it apart? We were doing great things, good things, good things for the people that work there, good things for the people who make our products, um, hopefully helping the food bank and other organisations in the community. Um, now I had all these complexities that separation and eventual divorce would bring. You know, not to mention, now appearing to break my wedding vows as well, which I took very seriously at the time. Um, what would the future hold? What enormous worries I must now have to enjoy. Re you know, really, it's a must. I've got to worry. We talked about this, Darren, didn't we? Worry. Um, the timing of meeting this church and its wonderful people was rather perfect. As I've learned to understand, this is God's way. I didn't know that at that time. Um, if we take time to notice it and look out for it and appreciate how close he is to each and every one of us, just how very close. He's right there, isn't he? Right there. Uh, and how sorry I am for people who don't quite understand that. How is there all the time with everybody. We don't notice. Throughout that time, the Bible, and I'd been given a little Bible, miraculously this one, saved my life. This got me through. I, it was like a crutch to me. I read and read and read and hung on to this. 
um, in real difficult times. Um, And God's word changed quickly from a faint glow in my life to a phenomenally bright searchlight. Well, at first it was searching, um, but now later on, it's a light that shows me the way forwards. It shows me often the correct time for each action, word or thought. And we'll look at this uh, and God's word in a moment as we look at Ecclesiastes 3. Um, so I'll mention Alan, since he's sat quietly at the back. Any pillows coming out yet? Can you wake up a second? We got a bit serious there. Um, Alan started my church year in 2017 with a challenge. Uh, delivering a sermon this year at some point. Uh, this sermon, in fact. Uh, never has time passed as quickly. Oh my goodness. Uh, have you ever pressed you on your DVD when you like do fast forward and you put times two, times eight, times ten, try times a million. And that's how fast this came round. Uh, remarkable. Um, today was on me in record time. Um, I didn't really have any fears that I would struggle to find a subject to talk about. Um, in fact, I wondered how you might all make me shut up. Do tell me. Put your hands up. Uh, thanks, Kenny. Oh, is this how we're going, is it, Kenny? I said I'd leave you alone. Okay. No holds barred now, mate. Um, I hoped and I prayed for a vision, a sign... Maybe an angel had come down and tell me something. Um, some enlightenment or a special word from God. Um, as that time flew by and the more I waited, the less kind of seemed to happen. I, this thing never happened. But that's not really true. Um, God was everywhere and in everything. Quite the opposite. The signs were in every breath I took, everything I saw, everything I did and everything I observed. Which is really remarkable have that insight. Um, So after a busy and rather reflective Easter, I finally gathered my thoughts and I sat down to write. It's an interesting thing to do. I've never tried to write a sermon before. Anybody anybody else tried to write? To be stood... All right, I know you, Alan. Still working on it. Um... So in my relatively short journey, I'm, I'm 42. I know I look a lot younger, but... Uh, Kenny? What? Uh, <laughs> um, but really, you know, I've, I, I found I found Jesus three years ago, or he found me, and the journey uh, has gone quickly since then. But I think since I fully understood his grace on me, on my family, on my life, and started, if not yet fully completed, to hand my life over and decisions to him, Um, through prayers and attempt to begin something of a Jesus and God-centric life, you know, hopefully hopefully, um, this helps today. So, uh, let us consider that perfect timing I talked about earlier. If we could have the first slide up there, please, Graham. Ooh, what happened there? It's gone a bit wonky. We've got a technical glitch here. Um... So, Ecclesiastes 3, this was thought to be written by King Solomon, perhaps, I think, um, who had achieved so much in human terms in his time. 
Imagine, imagine this time as, you're the king. Very cool being a king. He'd got, um, what did he got? He got fabulous gardens, huge, beautiful gardens. You imagine all the palm trees and he'd have rivers built through them. Huge, beautiful buildings. A harem of ladies. Well, let's face it, Darren, we've all considered a harem of beautiful ladies, haven't we, mate? Kenny, stop considering it now. Okay. Your wife's behind you. <laughs> so this guy's got everything. Um, he had so much apparent wisdom, so much learning, and yet he despaired at the meaninglessness of his life. Although he did end this book in the Bible in his understanding that God's timing and living a God-centric life can be the only way to bring a joyful, meaningful and purposeful life. Perhaps we can reflect on this in our lives. So, let me just read through this with you. It's a little bit of a, a bit of almost like a poem to start with. There is a time for everything. A season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. These are powerful words as he goes on to consider the futility of life as he moves his thinking from everything is meaningless at the start of this book. Um, He goes on. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. What a powerful message. What, you know, a lifetime of this guy having everything to conclude that God is it. So whether you've got everything or whether you've got nothing, whether that's financially or materialistically or in any way, 
Just remember God is everything. Okay. So Alan, our pastor, has gently, but rather less than subtly, been guiding many of us in our journeys. Catherine, I'm sure you'll agree. Not terribly subtle, is he? Um, It's Alan's calling, which is rather amazing that that we're involved with this guy. Um, Many books have exchanged hands. Anybody had books from Alan? Oh, yes, yes, lots, yes, yes. Um, lots of advice, lots of kind words. Many of us find ourselves in dire straits, and Alan's are, um, always there to listen. Uh, no more powerful tool has been given to me by Alan than the words of Roger Price. Anybody else listen to the Roger Price DVDs at all? Um, they've informed me, educated me, they've guided me, fascinated me, and, and many a time mystified me with the insight into the journey I and you guys find ourselves on with our Creator. That's right, we're on a journey with our Creator. What? We just thought we were alive, didn't we? Gosh. Um, so through Jesus, he can and will show us his awesome power. Uh, little do we know of the mysteries and wonder yet in store. M- many of us sat here haven't got a clue what's coming. It's huge. It's supernatural. It's massive. Um, if I could encourage you to let the Spirit in and start running your life through God, through Jesus, through the Spirit. This is a pure gift from Jesus upon his death, to help us on our journey. It was quite thoughtful of him, really, wasn't it? You know? thought, he, thought he'd just hang him, you know, get on the cross, gone. No, he left us, well, he left us a few things, but not least the spirit, and not least the church. Uh, just bear in mind that when you think of church, I don't know, somebody taught me this, and it really sticks with me, that the church is not the building, it's the people, you are the church. And you see that, I was in, lots of you know, I was in Africa recently in Malawi, and they've got nothing. They haven't got air conditioning and televisions, and they've literally got a concrete floor and maybe a roof that may or may not leak. And there you see it in particular because they haven't got anything else. The church is the people. It has to be. Okay, so let's look at the moment that John describes to us as Jesus promises to send us guidance in John 14 and 15 to 31. If you love me, keep my commands. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Now, he is talking to the disciples, I believe, Alan, at this point. But I believe he's also talking to us, one by one. He's speaking to you. Whoever you are in this room, he's talking to you. He's going to provide you with an advocate, someone to help you. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you're in the right place because you guys do. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. 
I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. So, depending on where you are on your journey, if you're right at the end, you're spirit-filled, you completely understand, that's great. But if you're at the beginning of your journey, or just a little way in, well, that's great. You've got a lot of great stuff to come. I know I have. I'm early on in my journey, and I'm starting to learn how wonderful this is going to be. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. We move on, Graham. I'll jump on a bit. In fact, I'll jump down to 25 there in particular. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, so I think this is, is this the first time he mentions the Holy Spirit to the disciples at this, at this section. Whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. That's quite remarkable, isn't it? Just just dwell on that for a second. The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. Will be reminding you of everything I have said. So you don't have to remember everything, necessarily. I mean, my memory is awful. You should ask my kids. I struggle to remember their names. They're shocked when I can't remember what they love for breakfast. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So that's really wonderful, isn't it? We're going to be guided and we don't have to be afraid. Anybody got a sat-nav on the car? Oh, did that, that car have sat-nav on it? Have you put it in? Anybody else got a tom-tom or a sat-nav? Yeah? They're a bit annoying, aren't they, sometimes? I'm pretty sure I know where I'm going. I still use it. I, I think I know faster sometimes. Where I know the faster route, I, you know. But this thing this thing really does know. I mean, the one I've got now, you know, if, if there's a traffic jam, it takes me round it. What? How does it know? How does it know? It's a little bit like that with the spirit, I think. Um... We have a choice whether we listen or not. Our default position is not to listen. Um, the sat-nav's there. It's trying to tell you which way to go. It knows there's a crash coming up. And we just drive straight into it, don't we? So maybe just take some time to to uh, to think about that. Um, okay, so how am I going for time? You still awake, Alan? Barely. Oh, right, good, good. He's not done that to me yet. Okay, so following my personal insight into how broken this world can be, uh, seeing my marriage fall apart, um, I'm sure many in the room have examples of of what broken looks like 
and how it's affected you and maybe your life. Um, shown us how dependent we need to be on our faith to get us through this troubled life. You could go it alone. That's going to be tough. That's going to that, that that anxiety, that pain, it's going to be much bigger, much harder. Or we can have faith, and we can let him lead us, and the worry disappears. Darren, no worry. A life without worry. Sound good? You know what kind of stuff out there? What what kind of broken world are we in? What kind of things? What kind of stuffs out there? Give me an idea, Catherine. Anything? Drugs. Anything else, Kenny? Alcohol. Illness. Anything else? War, murder, debt, homelessness. Yeah? Hunger. Violence. The list is enormous. Who wants to listen to the sat-nav? Or who wants to crash? Switch the sat-nav on. Okay. So being blessed with the grace of God. Perfect timing of the church entry in my life. Um, having, having the privilege to start to understand and start to use my sat-nav. Finally starting to see the truth and the way. Um... So at this juncture, I'm reminded of a revelation I had, probably obvious to everybody in the room. Maybe maybe it's only me that didn't understand it. Um, but I'd like to go through it anyway, in case anybody else didn't quite get it the first time. And it reminds us anyway of, of maybe our journeys. So if we can go to John 9. So John here is talking about a blind man who was healed. Very well-known story. And that, you know, it, it tells us of a miracle. It tells us how powerful he, he was or is. Um, but I think it might be a little bit more than that, Darren. Could be. Let's have a look what he said. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. Is that just is that just a man? Just one guy? Who else could it be? Could be us. Could be us. Could be me. Could be you. I didn't get it. Took me 39 years before I even had an inkling. I was as blind as a bat. Ah. There you go. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents, that he was born blind? Who caused that blindness? Did he cause it to himself? Did his parents cause it? Or are we all born blind? Is that the default position for human beings? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Oh. Ah, so this is good. So being blind maybe is a good thing. Not ideal to start with, but... As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. 
Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spat on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Well, that's quite a thing, isn't it? This is Jesus spitting on the ground, making mud with dirt. What? How, how might that apply to our lives? So we're already blind. We're already living in a broken world with all these horrible things that everybody just shouted out. Broken. And then, blind, we have dirt, spit, created dirt, slapped on our eyes. In my case, that was taking me to my knees. That was taking me to my limit. Beyond my limit, where if you've been there, then I'm sorry, but it's a great place to have got to, unfortunately, to be absolutely broken. On your knees, that's it. It's gone beyond a broken world, it's destroyed, and you have to put your faith in God. And what a great place to put it. Go, he told them, wash in the pool of Siloam. So, it sounds like you're going to wash it in water. But it's washing it in the pool of who's sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Ah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. His neighbours and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was, others said no. He only looks like him, but he himself insisted, I am the man. It's just fabulous. What a remarkable story. I honestly thought it was about giving a blind man his sight back. I honestly did. Gracious me. I hope, I hope just reading that again one more time, even if you knew that and even if you understood the meaning then it's worth going through again. And if you didn't, then hopefully now you see. Okay, Alan, should I wrap it up? Are we about there? Okay. Um, we walk a very narrow path in life. Um, heading off left or right off that very narrow path is very painful. Um, take time, take time to listen, take time to read the Word of God. Um, thank God every day, thank Him for sending Jesus to keep us on that path. And thank you very much for putting up with me at the front here, and I'll call it a day. Thank you. <laughs>